Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Dajahal. So, terrible twos. That's what we're discussing this week. Should we have a quick catch up? Because I feel like maybe your introduction to like your week might actually have something to do with the terrible twos. Kira has tantrums, but at the moment, because she is past terrible twos and she's gone into terrible threes. I don't know if that's a mm. thing. Um, and now and then, like, there's snippets, right? Where she will, yeah. I will say something like yesterday. I don't know what I said, but she told me to stop walking. And she's like, mommy, stop. And I'm like, okay, I just carried on walking because I was late for work. And then she said to me, mommy, I said stop. When I say stop, you stop walking. Oh, so I was just like, oh, God. Um, and this morning she was on the iPad and I told her five minutes. And she's like, yeah, OK. And then five minutes was up. But it's not really five minutes, like one minute. Uh, she doesn't know the time. And she was like, I'm not finished. And so I took it. Away. I was like, thank you. And she's like, this is my iPad. And I said, OK, well, I know it's yours. It's nap time now. And then she was like really upset. So she was holding on to it. And then I took the iPad out of the cover and put it up on top of a shelf. And then she was like, oh, my iPad's broken. <laughs> um, so oh I don't know. God. I'm having, a, I'm just worried that, you know, as a parent, you always worry that is your child the only one having tantrums? Well, I think um, one of the reasons that I was excited to do this topic also was because there's someone that we work with. And she was saying that over the summer vacation, she was really struggling with her daughter because her daughter was having a lot of tantrums and then she was getting really frustrated with it. And then we spoke to her and I think just from like our conversation of saying, yeah, and then you feel mum guilt because you feel bad for the fact that you don't want to be around your child because they're acting like this. And she was like, yes. And you could see it gave her a bit of comfort just relating to another mother or an auntie, because I feel like I'm an auntie, you know, so, uh, and an auntie, like, like, relating to that, like, her being, oh, I'm not the only one, yeah. it's like, don't feel mum guilt, because your child's a nightmare at the moment, you know. Taiwan, because you, everyone always, like, acts like their child is perfect, and they, and doesn't do anything yeah. bad, so when she did talk to us I could tell yeah she seemed really happy like really is this, this it's normal I'm like yeah it's so normal yeah. I feel bad yeah, for them exactly and then I felt really good about that conversation as we left because I felt like we'd really helped someone yeah. like understand that don't feel judged and don't feel pressured because of this terrible twos terrible three stage yeah um, um and I have to admit though I do think Kira's more terrible in her threes than she was in her twos yeah that's the thing and okay no no yeah I, we'll talk about that later no she had something yeah uh, no her tantrums are worse in her threes but her okay. reactions are worse in her twos i don't I'll, I'll explain that a bit later but let's check in with you and how your week has been my belly's moving so much oh we had some technical difficulties starting the podcast today. And if um, you see the slight freezing in the video or you hear it, we apologize. There's actually a typhoon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's affecting our internet. But I was just lying there letting my husband, you know, uh, letting him set up his laptop and it's all in Chinese. And um, I was just lying there and my belly was like, yeah. and he was like, oh, God. And he was like watching it. And then I lifted my top up and you can just see like it's just moving a lot now. And I just get so much comfort from that. Yes. That's you know, the best. Like, oh, he's growing. 
Yeah, it, it's really nice. You can feel him. Um, it, mm. It's easier to not be like, oh, when you go for your scan, like, is everything okay? Is the baby got a heartbeat? Is it still there? Yeah. Before, and then now that you can feel it, you're like, oh, yay, you know, everything's okay. And Terrible toddlers. So what is the terrible two? So I had a quick research about this, and it literally just is a period in a child's social development which is associated with very defiant and unruly behavior. Yes. But I think it's an important stage. So, um, oh, yeah. It, the terrible twos is a time when toddlers start to develop their social skills. And we know this, and this is why I think school is so important, because as much as you try and socialize your child at home, especially as an only child, even a child that has siblings, it, it's different to when you go to school and you're being taught social skills at school. Yeah. You know, they become more aware of the place, their place in the world, and then they begin to interact with others. So they're still grappling on how to share, taking turns and understanding empathy, which leads to conflicts and power struggles with their peers. Yes. So, yeah, they're just learning and it's so difficult to try and have to train them into what we say society is supposed to, we're supposed to be. And um, this is the whole thing starts at 18 months. Okay. So it's not just terrible Mm -hmm. twos. It's actually like a terrible growth stage. And the reason why toddlers have these tantrums also is because they don't know how to express themselves yet. So no wonder when they try and express themselves, they don't know how to show and they get frustrated. It's just like an adult, right? Um, so I did some research. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there is something called co-regulation. Co-regulation is an interpersonal process in which participants continuously adjust their interaction in coordin- coordination pattern to create and maintain a positive emotional state. Okay, so how does this relate is that when you are doing it as a parent, we kind of need to be able to regulate our emotions when we are dealing with little people because they tend to feed off that, right? So they always say that you need to regulate yourself Mm -hmm. so that your little one can start to understand their own emotions. And so here... Easier said than done. Yes. And so I did do the, I messaged you about this because I was like, oh, there's so much stuff that I've done. And I feel like I'm such a bad parent because there are times where I don't self-regulate and I react because Mm -hmm. I'm irritated Mm -hmm. as well. And it's hard to be patient with a toddler when they're constantly crying. But what parent can self-regulate their emotions all the time? Yes. So that's not normal, just right? To put it out there for this podcast, we're not saying you have to be a perfect parent. I thought it'll be a nice thing to talk about because I really struggled with this with Kira. Um, co-regulation mm-hmm. is important because it is a way for parents to help their children to develop emotional self-regulation. So emotional regulation is essential for healthy child development. Not a hundred percent, because that is like the number one rule that therapists always go back to. Oh, talk about your childhood. Talk about this talk about that right because normally it stems from when you are a child yes so co-regulations with Mm, parents mm. is like teaching a child how to ride a bike and i really like this so i'm gonna read this to you 
And in the beginning, a young mm-hmm. child is simply sits there while the parent does all the work, holding up the bike, pushing forward. But soon the child gets used to balancing on the bike. They start pedaling and balancing on their own. At some point, the parent can let go. Holding up the bike at the beginning is essential for a child to learn how to ride a bike. Without the parent, the child will mm-hmm. likely fall and get hurt. When it becomes too much, they may give up. Similarly, without co-regulation, a child child may experience emotion suppression that results in internalizing your issues okay and not being able to express mm-hmm. it with their parents co-regulation is therefore essential in helping children create a calm connection in their brain like that thought of you know teaching them how to ride a bike because they can't do it on their own you can't just be like here's a bike and go do it so it's kind of teaching them yeah. how to um deal with their emotions by you also showing them how to deal with it. Kira, when she started, so I'm going to start with that. When she started school, uh, she couldn't speak Mandarin. So she went to school to a Chinese spoken school and she was biting. And I had such a horrible experience with this because made out to be that I'm a bad parent and how can my child bite another child? and it's not normal and I really thought something and you should punish and and deal with this at home and it was just a horrible experience for me I really when I did my research it was like do not punish your child for expressing their emotions of course dealing with the situation straight on and telling them that it's not okay it's not okay to bite yes but mm-hmm. instead of telling me that there was a problem, they were like, she's biting for no issue. Like nothing is triggering it. And and so yeah. it just made me feel so bad because we didn't understand. Then later on, we realized it's because she can't communicate with the teacher or her, her peers. Yes. And that's what they say, like two-year-olds get, two to three-year-olds or toddlers, let's just say toddlers, they get frustrated. So put yourself in a toddler situation and think, one, They want to be able to put on their own clothes, Mm. but they can't. Okay, how annoying would that be? They want to be able to explain why they're sad, but they can't. They want to see how plugs work, you know, like just a plug socket, right? But they can't, okay? They need to be heard over other siblings, but they can't. Maybe not just siblings, maybe other peers at school. These are all things that they want to be able to do, but they're not capable of doing them. So... We can all relate to that as adults. It's very, very frustrating. So it must be even more frustrating for them if they're frustrated and they can't communicate about why they're frustrated. Yeah. The whole reason, and I didn't know this because I didn't even know that this was going to be an issue. Kira is such a social Mm -hmm. child. I was like, I'm not going to have any issue. She gets on with everybody. And then the first week there was just come in, apologize to the other parents about your child's behavior for a parent to process because you just think that everyone is against you when they tell you something negative about your child. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of shaming in Taiwan as well because they have a very certain like it's it's a it's just a cultural difference. And the way that they see raising children and the way that westerners do is completely different and and there is a bit of judgment on that. I am um, I was in the office the other day and I remember someone came up to you and they said that they'd seen your child and she was outside playing. And they said, oh, I saw Kira the other day. We saw her backpack and then there she was outside and she's running around and she was barefoot. 
she was barefoot like it was like that was a problem or, or the main focus like who cares like kids run around barefoot I just that just stood out to me a little bit but also in England I remember going to a party and there was like loads of families there and kids there you know how they all play together and there was this boy and girl and they were like the same age and they were dressed in their party outfits and they were hugging each other and everyone was like oh look and then the girl went to give the boy a kiss and she was kissing his cheek and everyone was like oh oh and then the boy starts crying and no one knows why and then we couldn't get the girl off the boy and then when we got her up this big teeth mark was in the side of his cheek and the parents were a little angry but they understood but they weren't happy and she just started kissing him and got so excited and she was just like and then started sucking him and biting him and it left a big mark on the side yeah these things happen like i don't know how to like you know we also have someone at work he's his child gets so excited and bites him only him yes 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 and his ears he likes to bite his dad's ears yeah. It's not because they're angry and they're just doing it to show emotion. So they do say like, yeah, well, they're you just, know, for your yeah. poor parent, we need to try and stay positive. When we talk to our kids, we don't shame them. <laughs> it's very hard, but I know. It's so hard. Anybody who asks me about it, it's, it's something that you have to try to be positive. And, you, and it is difficult to stay calm. I know. You have to take deep breaths. And I think I'm not coming... And I'm not coming from a mother's perspective either. I'm coming from like a mother-to-be, an auntie, and also a teacher who has worked with two-year-olds up to 16-year-olds and adults. But, you know, so I know I've worked with kids for over 10 years and it's hard to stay positive. Um, I was, I've just started teaching grade one uh, in our job, uh, one of my classes that I teach. And um I forgot how little they can do. So I went into the classroom. I was like, okay, get your red folders out. And they're like, what's a red folder? And I'm like, this, your red folder, get it out. And they get it out. And I'm like, right, I'm going to give you your thematic dialogue. And I want you to put it inside your red folder. And then they're like, huh? And they can't open the folder and put a piece of paper in. And I was just like, what's wrong with you? What put the paper in? And then there were so many of them. They just didn't have the motor skills to do that or have never had the opportunity to do that. Like maybe someone's been doing it for them, learned helplessness, right? I don't know. So it took me like 10 minutes, it took me 10 minutes to do things that would have taken two minutes. And then that requires patience. And then what requires patience? I'll tell you what requires patience. Patience requires energy. You have to have a lot of energy to be patient. And then when you're constantly being patient, your energy is running lower and lower and lower and lower. And then it's harder, it's harder to, to, to want to do anything, right? It's tiring being patient. Sometimes my patience is not good. Like I told you the other day, Kira screamed on top of her voice. And I know I shouldn't have done it. And then I screamed on top of my voice and she got like really a fright, like, mommy, why would you do that? And I said, do you like that? Does it hurt your ears? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, well, you hurt my ears. And I know it's it's hard to be to be calm and patient. And I think sometimes parents, some parents maybe feel like in the moment that it's just their child and it's not all the children that do that because some parents don't like to talk about when their children do something that they don't like, right? And I found three things that um, stood out to me that I think mums and teachers and family members and people in general should really think about. So the first one is just remember 
toddlers are immature, okay? So toddlers are unable to verbalize their strong emotions with clarity. So they express them physically instead. So you can't expect your child to communicate, a toddler to communicate with you all the time verbally. They may be doing that physically. So look at what they're doing physically to communicate with you. Try and read your child, your child, right? And and they don't have the they don't yet understand the impulse to control or resist temptation or stop a tantrum quickly. So you can't have them have a tantrum and be like, I can calm them down and then just think sometimes let it ride out. So number two. Children are learning, okay? And we need to remember that. And it's the same with teachers, parents. They're learning about cultural norms. They're learning how to use language properly, what is dangerous, what is safe, how everything in the world works. The whole world is fascinating to them, right? Like that experience where Kira was by the incense thing that keeps the mosquitoes away and she burnt herself, right? And she kept touching, like she wanted to touch it. And then finally she did. She's learning what's dangerous and what's safe. And then the biggest one that I think everyone needs to know is they test boundaries. Yes. So it's it's our you know, it's our jobs as like professionals, teachers, doctors, parents to set those boundaries and enforce them gently. Yes. Um, you need to enforce them less frequently and less strongly, depending on how strong-willed your toddler is. So you can't expect one way to work for one child and another to work for it yeah it needs to be different you have to you have to cater to each child be consistent Mm. guys be consistent because I find it really hard um when I hear parents like someone spoke to me yesterday about sleep training and I was like yes I've got really good tips on sleep training but I did say to them you need to be consistent the moment you show them a little bit of inconsistency like um weakness they will take it because they will know that that boundary is broken and that every time they do Mm -hmm. that you're gonna give in so you need to be consistent Mm -hmm. whether it is also you know be when they have a tantrum you should be patient and consistent so if you are giving love yes give the love and if they are being naughty go through with if you said no it's no I struggle with this sometimes because you know my child tests boundaries constantly and I just yeah she really she does go on and on like I thought she'd stop after an hour and she was there was once a whole day of her testing boundaries and it was also because she was sick wow so they do say that's another to thing take social, to yeah. take the cues that your child gives you and to provide the needs that they need so if you know that they're sick and they don't always act like this give them the support they need and meanwhile all she wanted was just a cuddle and a lie in bed and that was it because that's what we did and everything mm-hmm. after that seemed a lot better i found some tips see if you agree mm-hmm or disagree some secrets to help with the terrible twos okay and one of them was to childproof your house why do you think that that's a valid okay, so tip to childproof us, your house we did childproof our house not a lot but mm. in areas that we thought oh we should put a thing you know like to stick a thing on the sides but eventually i can see it behind you actually on, on my your table, table. <laughs> because she was of yeah. height but she just pulled them off. That's like I I can't I can't believe that it's still there. Um, I do believe in 
uh, childproofing your house to an extent. So we did not do it because we just taught her like whatever's up here, you do not touch. It's not for children or not for babies. Um, but we did put one like by her bedroom door. It's not actually childproofing. Proofing. It's more like setting a boundary. Like when you go to bed at night, we will close the baby gate and you should not leave this room. And she now she doesn't have it and she doesn't come out of her room when she goes for a nap and she goes to bed. I do believe in like, you know, the cabinets. She goes into the kitchen cabinets. We have one where you like push the button in and then you can pull it out. But we didn't childproof yeah. it to the point where like I've been to homes where it's like completely childproof. But it just teaches your child that you know they can't they shouldn't be careful so when they go to other people's homes they tend to touch everything because it's not other people's homes aren't childproof and yeah. they don't have that boundary so they at home not everything is acceptable well i can see from both points of view there because if you childproof your home then you don't have to be as considerate and you don't have to think as much when you're at home and your child's running around. You can like give them a bit more freedom and then you've got a bit more time and it gives you a bit of like a mental break, right? But then also you are not teaching your child how to live in a proper home. Yeah, you know, you're talking to the wrong person right now because I, you know, she broke her arm. <laughs> she fell off a wall in her house. When people hear that, they're like, a wall. I'm like, no, it's not really. It's a wall, literally this wall. She fell off that wall behind me. Yeah, the, the dog was on earlier. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like so shocked I didn't childproof my house. And I was just like, accidents happen. I know. Yes, some are irreversible. Mm. But you eventually you're going to not have a childproof house. Your child's going to grow up. They're going to need to learn. I'm sure I'll regret saying that because I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me but I don't want it to be mm. that I have to go to someone else's house for a play date and worry that my child's going to be touching things that she thinks she's allowed because my child my house is so child proof that it's yeah. okay and then she messes up their house and it's like I have or hurts hurt herself. herself or hurts another person yeah so we do teach her boundaries and what it is what are things that she can just touch what are things she has to ask what are things that she um shouldn't touch what about sticking to a consistent sleep schedule oh uh okay we have a consistent sleep schedule at night like bedtime is always at 7.30, we go to the room, we do read and everything, and then bed at 8 during the weekday. Yeah. Weekends were flexible. And I used to be on a very strict schedule, like at 12 o'clock, she must take a nap. At 3 o'clock, she must take another nap. And you know what ends up happening? You just stress yourself out because sometimes kids are not, they don't know the time. They don't know 12 o'clock is nap time. So you should yeah. actually, the best advice I got they were like look at your kids sleep cues if they are rubbing their eyes they're yawning you can see they're getting to that stage where they're a little bit niggly take them to the room put them down see if they want to nap even if it's not nap time maybe today they want to nap an hour earlier because what happens is you you your life revolves around the nap and feed time that it ends up that your whole day is ruined when it doesn't go that way and you're constantly thinking yeah. about it. But some people, it works yeah. for them. And I would say, don't change something that 
isn't broken but for me it didn't work yeah don't fix something that's yeah. not broken yeah though I did I remember Kira wasn't very well recently and she was just a nightmare all day yeah. remember because she was sick and the, another tip was to say like um be careful with your child like don't take your child out if they're tired if they're not well you know because then you are gonna you're just emph- limit the tantrums by being aware of like how your child is feeling so you know if your child's not feeling too well and you go to Costco they might have a tantrum in the middle of Costco because you took a child out that wasn't feeling too well but then some people don't have that choice like some people need to go food shop and they're single parents and they need to take their child with them and they don't feel well so you know I can understand that also um another one was to keep them busy we spoke a bit about this not long ago on which podcast was it I think it was two episodes ago so this is episode 12 so episode 10 and we spoke about how to entertain your child so maybe if you want some tips on that go listen to that episode and then to be consistent with discipline which is something we spoke about earlier you know following through with what you say even if it is tedious and it makes more work for you follow through with it it's going to be put in the hard work now because then it's going to make your life easier in the long run it's the same with teaching right and then the last one was get outside that is all things that probably I want to try um there is one thing that I like to do when she's having a tantrum actually Mm. Uh, I said this to our colleague who was talking to us about it I was like sometimes I just hold her even though she's fighting me I just give her a hug and literally within a few seconds of hugging her in her fight she kind of just calms down and then she just embraces it and afterwards she's feet and I ask her are you feeling better she will say yeah I feel I feel better now thank you mommy and I'm like yeah is there a difference between a temper tantrum and a meltdown? So the outcome was, is that a temper tantrum is usually caused through something that they want or need. Um, Whereas a meltdown, it's always caused through sensory. Whereas they overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was quite surprised by this because I was told many times by people here that it's not normal that your child is got these like I've been told that she's not got a good personality in Chinese we say like uh, I've already like you know like meaning her personality isn't good because she was having so many temper tantrums throughout the day yeah yeah but she's not always like that the kids just like adults have bad days and good days are just yeah you know and yeah and it must be hard as a mother to to hear that as well one to feel judged and two to to think that people think your child's not a good person but we really it really needs to be normalized here more like it's okay to have a tantrum yeah if I see a child in the street having a tantrum I purposely don't look because I don't want the mother to feel judged or to feel like they're an inconvenience to other people because it's completely normal and I know you've got a trip coming up not to like when in I think January you're thinking around Chinese New Year anyway and you're going back to South Africa for a wedding right yeah and I think that that's gonna be a massive mental health break for you and Kira yeah. to go back and to see oh 
she's like a lot of other children and this is how we were raised and this is normal oh these kids are running around barefoot right these kids are fighting each other great it's normal yeah you know yeah it's just I do feel um really judged when you hear and it's very hard to Mm. keep positive as a parent because you don't as I always say to people, like, you don't want people to tell you that your child is the issue, that your child is the problem. And it doesn't yeah. make you feel very good, does it? So I always say that it's hard for me to not take it personally. Like, especially yeah. when my husband always tells me, like, oh, when the teacher tells you something about Kira, I automatically take it personally because mm-hmm. of my experience before with the biting. Yes, I know biting is unacceptable. I know that. People keep telling me it's unacceptable. I'm like, I know. The issue is is that I'm not there to deal with the biting. So the teacher needs to talk to her. A- at night when we read stories, I would make up a story like, the fish bit her friend and her friend was very sad. What do we have to do to your friend? Not bite them. Okay. And then she would like, oh, and say, sorry. Like, of course, I'm trying to teach her, but at the moment, I'm not there to deal with it head on. Mm. And I looked it up to see if biting is normal. And they were like, Mm -hmm. if your child is still biting from age three to four, then you should go and seek, go talk to a doctor or therapist Mm -hmm. because that they should have outgrown it by then. So before the age of three, Yes, it's fine. And they did also mention if in three years old, like you're talking to your toddler to give you something and they don't give it and you take it away and they bite your hand. No, don't go and seek a doctor for that. That's normal, apparently, because I looked it up. They they were saying like, that's normal. It's a reaction. She's frustrated because she feels like or he feels like you're not listening. You found this information on the NHS website, right? Yes. Yes, Yes, I did. I found which it is all. the national health service in the uk yes mm-hmm. and they do say to you like it's very common and at the time when it happens you should address it don't make them feel bad it, just tell them that it's not okay because look at your friend and then also make sure that your friend is okay i hope that other mothers listening today have listened to people who are trained teachers mothers aunties just with friends and and know that this is normal and don't feel like it's a struggle it's a struggle but don't feel like you're the only one struggling and your child is the only one going through it because they're not doesn't matter how many parents may make you feel like you've got an issue or your your child has an issue and you need to solve it it's normal okay so please don't feel guilty or stressed about this especially if you're living in a country where maybe there's a bit more shame in going on for that type of thing all right well I hope that everyone enjoyed listening to that episode today and we're hoping our next episode will have a guest so it won't just be you and I next episode so that'll be exciting okay well thanks for listening everyone Bye. bye